Welcome to the Red Half of Sheffield, a Sheffield United podcast by two Yank Blades fans. My name is Noah Snyder, and I am joined, as always, by Chad Jarvis. How you doing today, Chad? I'm doing good, considering that we are one win away from possibly going to Wembley. So I guess my question to you, the question of the day is, que sera sera? I would be in. I would be in total agreement with you there. Yes, <laughs> I, I can see it happening. Hopefully, well, the hopefully the draw gods look look down on us and give us a favorable draw to get to Wembley. Yeah, I would really love to see us play Bournemouth, or if somehow Barnsley can beat Chelsea tomorrow, I'd really like to see us draw them when the draw happens tomorrow. I think it's in the evening. So. Uh, We are through to the quarterfinals. It wasn't the prettiest victory, I have to say, but we got it done. Billy Sharp scores goals. That's all I have to say on that front. I mean. (laughs) That he does. So what do you say we get into reviewing this one? I thought we dominated the run of play, especially in the first half, but it was actually Bristol who had the first chance. Sorry. Bristol City, who had the first chance in the eighth minute, Bristol City went a free kick on the right hand side. The ball comes into the box and is headed away, but Callis strikes it off the volley after it falls to him. And Ramsdale makes just a beautiful save. Great save from Ramsdale here. It was a little bit nervy, but I'm glad he was able to take care of that and, and save that shot. And we we're not looking at a game where we're one nil down that early in the match. And I mean, you got to look at it too. He got a clean sheet. We've got to mention that too. The goalkeeper got a clean sheet. And that is something that is a rarity to us this season. Absolutely. And it's not like it was a game where Bristol city didn't have their chances. They certainly did. And Ramsdale was equal to it every single time. So yeah, I thought he played really well in this one. In the ninth minute, Brewster and McGoldrick had some good interplay before the ball gets dinked to Lowe, who comes in from the left, and he attempts it to get it over O'Leary, but it hits the top side of the crossbar. Very close. Probably should have scored there. But yeah, good play from uh, Lowe today as well. I was actually really pleased with with his performance. Uh, in the past, I had been felt I'd felt a lot more nervous when he was in rather than say Osborne or Stevens, but. He's starting to come into form and maybe starting to make that left wing back position his own. And, you know, when we got both Bogle and Lowe from Derby at the beginning of the season, I was thinking, oh, these guys are going to feature maybe a little bit. They'll play in cup games only. But with the injuries that we've had to Balduck and Stevens and with Osborne not being available to play that left wing back position, I've really thought that both of them have obviously come into those positions and really taken them and have slotted in perfectly in my humble opinion especially in the good run of form that we've seen from them in the last few days yeah one thing that i was kind of skeptical about and even like today as max Lowe got forward and okay he had that shot to hit the bar is it one thing because he knows about the championship defending you know, because he's been around it so much. Is it one of those things where he knows how to exploit it as much as like a, a middle of the table prem side or even a top six top side? They're they're a lot harder to break down. You know, so I, I'm glad to see that it's he's his form has grown over the last few games. 
But today I was like, well, I wonder because it's Bristol, the city, in the middle of the table in the championship. And it's just one of those things like, does he know how to exploit this? Because, you know, he's played them over and over countless numbers of times in his career. So it's one thing if he's able to get in when we play West Ham and let's see his his forward moving mo- uh, momentum carrying him forward and his defending against a team that I really th- like us to go and get the win against. Well, I agree with you, Chad. I think there's an interesting statistic that came up today during the broadcast it was stated that Maxlow has actually never scored a goal in any competition in English football which is kind of just a, a crazy stat you know yeah. especially for the kind of more offensively minded left wing back that he is to not have any goals considering that you know I think even in, in the Derby side he did go marauding forward at times just kind of a fascinating statistic right there. Just wanted to drop that for you. Well, that's one of those things that, you know, Sheffield United only buy players that can't score goals, apparently. <laughs> we bought Oliver Burke, and how long did he go? 25 or so matches on scoring a game, you know, scoring a goal. So it's, it's one of those things. We love to buy players that can't score. Yeah, well, hopefully that'll change, especially if slash when we go down to the championship. I think a lot of these players, especially our strikers who, for whatever reason, have not been finding the back of the net in the Premier League, will start getting goals. I think our play is just too good, especially when our midfield is in form, to have our strikers not score goals. And believe you me, if we do go down to the championship for next season, we are going to need those guys to start picking it up and start scoring some goals. So in the 28th minute, Ampadu had a great run and then a pass to Sharp who goes down the left-hand side and puts a cross into Bogle who heads it right into O'Leary's hands. It was such a good chance, but Bogle has to take those and try to head them down into the left or to the right of the keeper. He was largely unmarked on this chance, and those are the type of chances that we're really going to need to start burying. I mean, and that's been something that's that's really been our Achilles heel, but Bogues has started to come into his own in recent matches, kind of like Max Lowe, but it's like he is still, you know, getting zoned in on scoring goals. It's not like it's almost a bang on thing. Hey, Bogle's got the ball. He's going to score. You know, he's, he's strung these few goals together in the cup and in the league. It's almost like, okay, now that he's getting regular chances at goal, he's got to think about, hey, let's score more than once every couple of games. Let's try and get one every other game. I have to say though, and, Bogle just further showed his class in this game. He made those runs into the box like three or four times in this game that just make you think, my God, is this kid going to be good? He's only 20. He's 20 years old. In a couple years, he is going to be so good. And I hope he's not one of the players that, God forbid, we have to sell off at the end of the season. But... I've been really, really pleased with this play. I think he's going to make the starting 11 consistently if slash when we go down to the championship. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's one thing, too. He's 20 years old, but you look at him, and he looks like he's like been in this game forever. And then you hear he's 20. It's like, okay, he's got a bright future. We have a bright future on this team with all the youth we have in this side. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that was really important to Wilder when he was making his signings because our midfield and I guess as far as strikers are concerned, both McGoldrick and Sharp, they're getting up there in age. Yeah, they've got a, a at least one more year each on their contracts, but I think at some point the age is going to really start to catch up with both of them. I mean, we can't be relying on them two, three years down the road here as we're trying to fight to get back in the Premier League next year, maybe, hypothetically, um, and beyond. So, yeah, as as we mentioned before, our young strikers are really going to have to start getting the ball to go in the back of the net moving forward. So in the 30th minute, there was a nervy moment as Bristol City went a throw in on the right hand side and they get a long throw into the box. It appears to go off Ampadu's head, but there's a check for handball by VAR. And of course, nothing was given and we play on, but just a, a slightly nervy moment there. I mean, that's almost a precursor of what was what was to come in this match. I mean, VAR. I listened to the match on the radio today and they didn't make it so obvious that they were going to VAR. So when I look back at, you know, the match information going through my phone, it's like, wow, there's a bunch of VAR checks in this game. And I had no idea. Obviously the penalty that, or the handball that turned into a penalty later, but yeah, I scrolled through. I was like, wow, there's like two or three different times when they, they went to VAR. Yeah, and they didn't actually, at least on American television here on ESPN Plus, they didn't show that it was being checked by VAR. I don't know how it was, um, you know, in the UK, but as far as I could tell, there was only the one VAR check when I looked at it. And it was only later when I was like reading through the important moments in the match that because I was listening to the majority of this game as well, Chad. And so when I saw that this was checked for VAR, I was like, oh, I, I didn't even notice it in real, in real time. So, yeah, nervy moment there, but uh, we played on, nothing given. And in the 39th minute, Ampadu again drives into the left-hand side of the pitch. He faked a shot before giving it to Bogle. Bogle takes a shot and it goes just over the bar. I think Bogle had like at least three shots that went on target in this game. I, 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 what else is there to say? It's been so bright from him. Match after match, he's definitely in that man of the match candidate when we're when we're doing the show, right, Chad? For sure. I'm looking at the stats from the game today. He played 90 minutes, obviously. He had two total shots, 28 accurate passes, and his passing success was 76%. So he had he did have a total of three shots. That one that you just mentioned went over the bar. So, I mean, the dude loves to shoot, and that's what I like about him. He likes to shoot, man, for sure. Got an eye for goal. So at that point, uh, there wasn't really much until halftime. We go in a half, nil-nil, but you have to feel like we were far and away the better side going into halftime, right, Chad? Oh, yeah, it was one of those things where – it was a frustrating half because, as you've mentioned, we've had a bunch of chances, probably should have had maybe one or two goals, but we had the majority of possession. We had most of the shots. Bristol City couldn't really do anything, and it was just like it was one of those things that a matter of time before the goal was coming, you would just like to see since we're playing a championship side, let's put it away early and let's kind of breathe and, and, and let the stress off of our shoulders and see this game out, you know. But, you know, typical United, we love to make it interesting. 
every of course <laughs> of course indeed we do don't we well we go into the second half here and there was an early chance from bristol city at the 47th minute wells gets a shot on ramsdale makes the save it was nervy because um he had patterson with him and had patterson been able to get on the ball it might have been an easy just tap in right there but thankfully ramsdale was able to control it he didn't let any soft rebounds out so yeah good save from ramsdale and then in the 54th minute mcgoldrick had a really really good chance from outside the box he had the keeper beat he had him dead to rights beat and it was just a little wide and over the net otherwise it was a good shot and a good idea for him to put it on from that range goldrick he showed up again how many times can, can we say that this year it seems like all of them he shows up and he almost balls out even though you know most of the games we lost at the beginning of the season in this stretch where we've had we've won what six out of our nine matches so yeah i mean the dude has been absolute class for us this season and i hope it continues for the rest of the season hopefully my goldrick header at wembley in the final of the fa cup wins the wins the cup for us from your mouth to god's ears man i'm telling you <laughs> well i i have to ask you chad speaking of mcgoldrick here how, uh, we finally saw kind of a formation change where he was in that that 10 position that we've liked to see him in actually over the course of the season how do you feel about that as a, a permanent formation change, taking Norwood out of the starting 11, slotting McGoldrick in, and then maybe if necessary, putting Norwood in if we're up and we're looking to be a little bit more defensively minded. Well, your thoughts are exactly what I was going to say. I would much rather prefer McGoldrick in that slot than Norwood. And like you said, come off the bench, have Norwood come off the bench if we're winning. And we want to have a little bit more possession, but, you know, even him being in there, he gives the ball away a lot. But I really like that position where McGoldrick was set in behind the two strikers. You know, if we could get Burke and Brewster with with McGoldrick in behind them, ooh, man, and they could score some goals, that could really open that midfield up and let McGoldrick just through ball to each one of those strikers. I think that's a really, really good take right there, Chad. This is the formation I'd like to see moving forward, especially considering that Norwood's had a somewhat shocking last three or four games. I do want to see McGoldrick in that position because, as you said, if Wilder does start Brewster and Burke for speed up top, especially when we're playing a side like Liverpool or a Leicester City, or what have you, moving forward, I think that's really going to open up the midfield like you kind of alluded to right there. And I think that it just gives us a better opportunity to score, really. Yeah, for sure. So in the 63rd minute, there was an absolutely insane 30 seconds of play that led up to the penalty and the inevitable goal. Uh, Sharp is played into the box and finds McGoldrick, and he takes a shot. It gets deflected, and it goes off the bar. The deflection was by Mawson, and live it just looked like it deflected, and there was no harm done. 
And then the ball fell to Lundstrom, who absolutely smashes the ball. And it goes under the Bristol City goalkeeper O'Leary, but Callis clears it off the line. It would have been a certain goal otherwise. And, you know, after this run of play is stopped, we get a better look from VAR at Mawson's deflection, thanks to VAR. And after what felt like forever, as far as the referee deliberating on this, a penalty is given to Sheffield United. And Mawson is sent off on a straight red for his troubles for a deliberate deflection with the hand. Billy Sharp steps up to the spot, smashes in the penalty. Sheffield United go up 1-0, and Billy Sharp scores goals. Billy Sharp does score goals. And like you said, when I watched the highlight back, like watching it live, it, it, first, it, the ball comes in and it looks like it takes a deflection and looks like it's okay. It just got played back out in, into the box. And then the play goes on. It's the goal mile scramble. They save it off the line. And then when they slow it down, they zoom in on, on Alfie Mawson's hand. You can see he deliberately slaps that ball. Immediately when they said the referee was going to the monitor, I said, we got a penalty. This is going to be a penalty and he's going to be sent off. Because I think if you look at the, the amount of VAR reviews to go to the little TV screen on the side of the pitch, I think chances are like 98% of them, either it's, it's a penalty or a foul resulting in a red card or something, it always gets reversed. So, like I said, once I heard it go to – he was going to look at the screen that I knew we were getting the penalty. And then, of course, the skipper steps up and just bangs it in. Although the keeper did go the right way, and it was if it wasn't an absolute rocket, the keeper probably saves that because he went right by – that ball went right by him and his outstretched hands. Yeah, I mean, if that penalty is not placed as well as it is, I think that is probably a save from O'Leary there. Mm-hmm. But – Billy Sharp is too good at taking penalties. And in the back of my head, I thought when I saw that it was a penalty, I was like, are they going to let Brewster take this just to kind of get the lad's confidence up? But I think at the end of the day, I'm glad that Billy Sharp stepped up and took it. I mean, if you have him on the pitch, he's taken a penalty. Am I right, Chad? Yeah. If we put Brewster up there, he might sky the thing over the bar and put it in like a 30th row of the seats. Who knows? But it's just one of those things. Billy Sharp, knock on wood, never misses from the penalty spot. And, you know, we want the tried and true. I could see if we were up 1-0 and we were controlling the game and then the penalty happened, that maybe Sharp would give it to him just to get a goal. But with it being level at that time, it was smart that he just grabbed the ball, set it down, and scored. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one more thing just to talk about with respect to this penalty taken by Billy Sharp. In the last podcast, we talked about how Billy Sharp doesn't need to do any dancing or changing of his cadence when he takes penalties. He just walks up and drills it home. No shenanigans needed at all. Yeah, he doesn't do that start-stop stuff like all these internet foreign international players that come over to England and play. Bruno Fernandez. Jorginho, all of them do their little jive dance and then kick the kick the ball in the goal. Billy Sharp was like, here, you set the ball down, you step back, the ref blows his whistle, I hammer it in the back of the net, and we take the lead. That's it. Simple. Yep. Yep. 
So we go on from this point, 1-0, obviously that's how the game finished, but right from the kickoff after the goal, Bristol City give the ball away, and McGoldrick is in again. He cuts inside the box, and he just puts wide a beautiful, beautiful chance. It should have been 2-0 there, but he just puts it a little bit wide. But it was a good chance from McGoldrick, because he was in, man. He was absolutely in. He had nobody, but it was him and the keeper, and it's just like, it's one of those things. You just got to score the goal. I know it sounds so easy from our perspective when we're playing armchair football managers, but it's just one of those things. You're a professional football player. Just slot the ball home and score, please. And it would have put the game to bed because the final score is 1-0, but we had, it was kind of like holding yourself up being like, oh, my God, are we going to – like almost going nuts because it's on a knife's edge every minute because we only have that one goal lead and if we could just get that second goal to put the game to bed it would have been so much nicer yeah absolutely i i agree with you wholeheartedly chad Uh, watching sheffield united this season when we've had the lead you're just kind of like biting your fingernails down to the down to the nub man yeah that's why i don't have any right now i'm all (laughs) the way down to the nub I've got to let them grow back before the West Ham match so so I can chew them <laughs> off during that one. Absolutely. So in the 73rd minute, Chris Wilder takes off Billy Sharp for Ollie Norwood, and Boo. we change <laughs> every Boo. time, invariably, every Boo. time. God, um, I believe I texted you during this, and I said, fucking Norwood's coming into the game. Surely, I thought in the back of my mind it was going to finish – 1-1, one, one, go to extra time, and go to penalties just because we put him into the game. Well, I think it ultimately ended up being a good decision because we moved to a flat three in the midfield as opposed to having McGoldrick there as that 10. And, you know, I think Wilder's thinking at that point, we just got to see this match out, be good defensively, and uh, put the game to bed defensively. So... <laughs> well okay so for those of you listening at home uh chad just showed me one of his notes from the game and why don't you read that that note out loud chad 75th minute norwood norwood's (laughs) first involvement sees him carelessly give away possession before lundstrom gets his teammate out of trouble same song different verse it happens every time he goes into the game he's in less than what two minutes and he's already given the ball away come on man yeah well i with except for that moment i thought norwood was all right for the you know 15 plus that he played but it it does appear that whenever he has the ball he's gonna give it away so maybe some well-deserved criticism of Ollie Norwood right there, but I, it obviously would have been a lot worse had we conceded due to one of his errors. But anyway, in the 79th minute, a relatively harmless ball is put in just outside the box towards O'Leary. It looked like he handled the ball from outside the box. And I didn't see this live granted, but apparently VAR did a quick check and the referee said he didn't handle it outside the box, but he clearly did. I mean, if you go back and watch it, and I, and I already went back and rewatched this, he put his hands on the ball and he was clearly outside of the box. Should have been at least a, a yellow, if not a red, from that point for the keeper and a free kick from you know the spot. So yeah, I mean... 
I mean, we couldn't get lucky enough to have them sent down to to nine men. I mean, it would be just our luck that they would the ref would say, "Hey, he didn't touch the ball before he was out of his box." And you know, I mean, with with ten minutes to go, you know, it's 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 probably going to be chances that that are called that that is called slum to none. But the whole fact that it went to VAR and they still got it wrong, what does that say about VAR? Because I seem like I rail against VAR at least every two or three matches. How you have the evidence presented to you on a TV screen and you still can't get it right. You still get it wrong. The, the the thing that we have to remember about VAR, and look, I, I'm not defending VAR, I'm just pointing this out, is that it has to be a clear and obvious error made either by the referee or the linesman or what have you in order to overturn it. And I think on the VAR check, it wasn't a clear and obvious error, but I don't know. It, it, it appeared to me like he fucking handled the ball outside yeah. the box. <laughs> so... You know, I just want to take a quick pause here just to talk about who I thought had a quietly really good game, and that's Rian Brewster. I did like what I saw from him in this game. I want to talk about one moment that was it probably isn't going to be highlighted really elsewhere. Um, there was a moment when Lowe made a marauding run into the box, and he put in a cross, and he was looking for Billy Sharp. And Sharp let it go thinking that Brewster was going to have a certain tap in. But by that point, the ball had gone behind him. And I was really hoping he was going to get his first of the season in this one. It was disappointing. But as I think I said earlier in the podcast, it's only a matter of time. He is going to get a goal at some point. He just needs to get that one. And then I think he's going to start banging in goals. It's almost like if Wilder starts to, you know, as as we go on here in in – the rest of the season, the tail end of the season here, if we continue to fall out of it and, you know, it's, it's looking more daunting that we're going to we're gonna fall out of it and we're going down, the gaffer should just give Brewster run because if we come up against these, you know, big six sides or teams that will be on the beach that are, like, comfortably ahead of us in the table, maybe they're going to put out a change side against us. We start Brewster – and he's able to exploit some of these weaker back lines and maybe get a goal or two on the run-in going into next season in the championship. Yeah, if it is certain that we are going to go down at some point, then I think it does make sense to give Brewster more of a run and also to give Ollie Burke more of a run. I mean, mm-hmm. he has featured consistently, but in the last couple of games, he hasn't he hasn't started as much. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there on, on that one, Chad. So the last real chance of the game came in stoppage time. O'Leary was once again out of position on a ball that was dinked over the top for Ollie Burke, who'd come in to run on. And he's almost level with the goal line and decides to go for it himself rather than pass to an open fleck who would have certainly just have tapped it in as the keeper had not gotten back. So, I mean, it's a missed opportunity. Burke decides to go it alone and the shot is blocked by Moore in front of goal. I kind of wish he would have just slotted that back to Fleck who could have just put the game to bed there. But, you know, I guess he gets credit for trying to go for it. But yeah, that that's the thing. He should have just picked his head up for one second to have seen Fleck who was driving into the box, you know? Yeah. And that's one of those things. 
when you said he, he missed Fleck, because I didn't see that play per se, when you saw Fleck and Fleck was wide open, are some of our players a bit selfish, you know? Because I feel like in certain situations this season, we have passed up an almost certain goal to where people take it upon themselves and have it either the shot blocked or saved or whatever, what have you. And it's almost like, I mean, we don't have a lot of selfish players on this team, but you could see from time to time that, you know, we might we might hold the ball too long, or especially Lundstrom was doing this really early in the season, and he wasn't like giving the ball up. And now it's it's kind of went off into a couple other players to like they're not you know they're not seeing the extra pass that could lead to a goal. Yeah, I actually agree with you on this point, Chad. I think Lundstrom definitely was one of those players. He's been better as of late, but in our last game against Chelsea, I I did notice there was a couple of opportunities that he actually took it on himself where he probably could have had an easy pass that would have led to a better chance on net. Mm -hmm. And who knows what that would have led to. But um, I definitely saw it from Lundstrom earlier in the season. The other player and I don't want to flag him off because, look, he's our top goal scorer this year. Um, David McGoldrick, a lot of times, will take shots from outside the box where if they go in, like, you fucking yell because it's a goddamn worldie. But Mm -hmm. he scored exactly one of those, and that was against Arsenal earlier in the year. And you don't want to say, oh, his confidence is through the roof, and that's why he thinks he can score those. But at the same time, should he be looking for a better pass? there in order yeah. to get someone in to take a better shot i i don't know it's not for really for me to say it's just something that i've noticed a little bit in mcgoldrick's play especially in the last like four or five games ever since he got like those first couple of goals he, his ego has grown a little bit and he's like oh i can score in this league and to your point exactly noah he takes these shots from like 25 yards out like what the hell are you doing, dude? There's like three people in front of you in the box. Lay it off to them, and maybe they get a close-range shot and it goes in. Don't just, from the outside of your boot, just hit the ball and, hey, it might go in. Hopefully it goes in, and it's not even anywhere close. It's usually over the bar or way wide. Absolutely. So the full-time whistle is blown, and Sheffield United are through to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. That is back-to-back years in which we have qualified for the quarterfinals. And one more win, and we are going to Wembley, my friend. I mean, the hope is is that maybe enough folks will be vaccinated by that point in the UK where we might be able to have some fans in the stadium for for the FA Cup semifinals if we make it that far that would be unbelievable that would just be unreal i'd absolutely love that but we go on chad who is your man of the match in this game my man of the match i'm torn uh you know i could go with billy because he he scored the goal that won the game didzy he played phenomenal today but i'm going to i feel like i'm putting myself on a record because I think he was my man of the match last game. Bogle was, for me, and I believe he won the club's man of the match award, but he was the man of the match, dude. The guy is just growing in confidence every single game, and he's getting further forward. He's having shots. He's defending good. It's almost like Baldock is a thing of the past. It's like maybe that injury to Baldock was a little bit of a, hey, 
here you go, Bogues. Here's your shot. So for me, he was the man of the match today. I'm going to go with you on, uh, again on this one. I think Bogle once again was definitely the man of the match. He played well defensively. He had three pretty good chances. He, of course, didn't factor onto the score sheet. But like I said, he makes these like little marauding runs into the box that just look so dangerous every single time he does it. And I, I noticed this a few times in this game as well. He'll do these little flick-ons that are just so clever. You see them a lot of times from the top six. And that just shows the kind of quality that Jaden Bogle is exuding right now. I mean, it's f fantastic. He's on a run of fantastic form. Absolutely man of the match, Jaden Bogle. So, Chad, we have another game this coming Monday against West Ham United. It's going to be at London Stadium. And this is a pretty good West Ham United squad right now. I mean, complete turnaround from how they were playing last year am i right chad yeah the one good thing the guy that scored the goal sebastian Haller, he is no longer on their team so the so when he when they beat us one nil earlier in the season he will not factor in the side you know we, we've got to worry about their goalkeeper fabianski he's been virtually lights out i mean their last few matches have been win loss draw loss so it's kind of been all over the place but I mean, Fabianski in goal, he is a good goalkeeper. The two people I would like to highlight is their midfield. The one we we supposedly lost out on, Jesse Lingard. He was rumored to come to Bramall Lane in, in January. He'll play. He He's played in every game that he's, he's started since he's been sent from United to Manchester United to West Ham. And – you know, Declan Rice, he's he's just he's all over the place. He plays midfield, he plays center back, he plays everywhere. And their attacking options, if this holds true, and Mikel Antonio is not supposed to play against us, so which is good because he is their their out and out goal scorer. So not having him in the side will do us wonders, but they also do have Saeed Ben Rama, Jared Bowen, and Pablo Fornells, who will probably be their front three that we will our defense will have to go toe to toe with for 90 minutes and try and keep them out and it's important to note that thomas suchek won't be in this game because he had a straight red against fulham in their last game right mm -hmm. yep that is a big miss for them and you know like i talked on the previous podcast when we were slamming var that was a ticky tack red card and the fact that the fa wouldn't let Suchek's red card get overturned is a very good thing because he is a good, 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 good player for them. And he fits in that West Ham side perfectly. So not having him in the side does us a lot better. He's got eight goals on the year. So yeah, they're definitely mm -hmm. going to be missing him. And I agree with you on everything that you just said. We definitely got to watch out for Declan Rice, for Jesse Lingard, for Jared Bowen, for sure. Yarmolenko has had few goals for them as well. Fornals has had a few goals and a couple of assists. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a tough game, I think, but they are missing key players, which do give us an opportunity to potentially get at least one point, if not more. Mm -hmm. So, Chad, who do you have starting for Sheffield United in this one? My lineup, ooh, it, it's going to be really tough to not – put out the same same starting lineup we put out today the one yeah. change i will obviously make is probably the skipper comes out and i'm putting burke in there or mcburney for some reason i think the skipper will go or 
the gaffer will go with McBurney because, you know, we love to lump the ball forward to McBurney. He heads it down, and hopefully Brewster gets on the end of it. But I'm going with the exact same lineup today minus Sharp for McBurney. I think that is a good take, Chad. I also think that McGoldrick stays in the side as that number 10 and that either Burke or McBurney factor into the starting 11. Uh, but I'd say keep Max low, obviously, um, in, mm-hmm. in in that left wing back position because he was really good today. And especially if Stevens or Osborne are not back to being fully fit, that's who I'd keep. Yep, agreed. So, Chad, what is your score prediction for this game against West Ham? Do you think this is one we can take and that we can win? I alluded to it earlier. I think we get the the win in this one. I think we won 1-0. You know, it was such a tightly contested match when they played at Bramall Lane and they got that goal. It was an absolute banger from Hilaire that Ramsdale just couldn't couldn't touch. So I think we get a goal. And I'm going to say Didzy gets us the goal and we win 1-0 and we secure the three points and we climb up off the foot of the table. How about that? Wouldn't that be nice? That would be unbelievable. That would be fantastic. I'm also going to say 1-0, but I'm going to say that McBurney factors into the scoring again. It's been too long since he's had a goal period Uh, obviously there was a a long stretch there where he was out going back to december so yeah mcburney will factor back into the side and mcburney gets the goal one nil sheffield united i think that's all the time that we have this episode of the red half of sheffield so chad i'm sure as you know the red half of sheffield now has a twitter page and you should follow us it's at red sheffield on twitter please give us a follow. Additionally, please follow us on Facebook at the Red Half of Sheffield. And Chad, where can the people find you on social media? They can find me at Blades in the USA on Facebook and Twitter. And you can follow me on Instagram at cjarvis underscore 13. And you can follow me, Noah Snyder, at nessman 930 on Twitter and Reddit. And you can also follow me on Instagram at sunpuck. So, Chad, until next Monday, when we're playing West Ham at the London Stadium, up the blades. Up the blades. Come on, you red and white wizards.